Hello everybody, it's Connor here, just with a brief little message for you at the beginning of our episode. We talk about it later on in the episode, but we wanted to drop it right at the beginning for you guys to know about as well. But we have a new wiki. Yes, our show uh, has a wiki that has been amazingly created by our patrons as a gift to us uh, as we have now reached our two years. It's crazy to think that we've already been doing this show for two years. Uh, but if you want to look at uh, reading up on maybe some of the lore you haven't seen yet, uh, or even uh, potentially contributing yourself if you feel so generous, we you can go and check that out at cheaperdungeon.fandom.com uh, and do your own personal contributions. Or again, read up on the, the lore. Seth has some amazing lore. Uh, and, you know, we just want to continue to share that with you guys there. And again, just a big thank you to our patrons, uh, for that gift to us. You guys are amazing and we appreciate you more and more with every passing day. Uh, but yeah, we're going to go into the intro song in just a second here and, uh, enjoy the rest of the episode. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to our good old extra Q&A episode. Yes, it's me, your DM, Connor. Psych! Not your DM, that's Seth. If you were a true fan, you would have realized that. But today I'm joined by our true DM, Seth. It's me. And our lovely Zippy Westboro, Jacob Mahan. Here I am. And Adam. hello i thought about like doing an intro thing about like your characters but then i was like is that spoilers does that matter i feel like in chronological Mm. order it's a q a episode so i feel like there's gonna be spoilers i just know by some cosmic twist of fate this is gonna be our most popular episode hands down so everyone's gonna listen to this and then they're gonna get all the spoilers for some reason so good call (laughs) yeah 100 100 this is the one this is the one that explodes and goes viral yeah of course why why would it be anything else but we don't want a DD podcast we just want a talk show with these four guys that's all we've always wanted (laughs) think of how much easier that would be to edit oh my god it really would i envy those podcasts freaking joe rogan you do no editing i'm looking at you lazy oh my gosh they're like like, four hour episodes too they're so long yeah but yeah, so this episode is for you guys, the fans. We're going to just talk a little bit about the previous season, uh, some of the things that have gone on, answer some uh, fan-submitted questions, hopefully uh, for those of you who are just you know freaking out about things that maybe we didn't address fully in the show, we'll kind of touch on a little bit for you so you can finally rest well at night uh, knowing some of the answers. But we're not going to answer things that are going to spoil, that's going to spoil stuff for the future. Just a heads up. Like, so... There may be things if they, that aren't going to be addressed in the future. We'll talk about a little more in depth now. But if if it's something that's going to potentially have repercussions moving forward, I don't I don't think we'll we'll dive too deep into that one. That'll have to play. But isn't the show. isn't but isn't not answering a question about the future a spoiler in itself because it'll happen? Not Does Zippy die? We're not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like yes. Yes, hard yes. <laughs> hard yes. 
I think we could just commit now that every third or fourth answer or so, we intentionally just flat out lie and say the opposite. But we don't tell them (laughs) if it's a third or the fourth. So eventually, people can't trust anything we say. So there is no spoilers. Listen, if you want the rest of our show spoiled, you're going to have to find our treasure map and go on your own grand treasure hunt to find a little box where I keep a little very tiny notepad with all my notes. So speaking of which, that's partially true. So one thing I have learned, this is... uh, So our world map that Seth has released of the world of Ohm, he's mentioned to me in passing that there is an Easter egg in that map. I have no idea what it is, and I can't figure it out. I stared at that map for a long time, and I don't know what this Easter egg is. So if anybody, any fans out there are smart enough to figure it out, let me know, because I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine Connor staring at the map but not actually looking at parts of the map. Like, he's just staring <laughs> at the just, map. Look beyond not, the map. How is this constructed? It's just not coming to me. <laughs> I'm just absorbing, just absorbing the whole thing at once and just, I'll get there eventually. That's his inspiration for Darian. (laughs) So to kind of kick us off for this evening, um, I I thought it would be good to kind of take an opportunity with you guys uh, to kind of talk a little bit about kind of the past season. We're going to talk a little bit about the musical too, uh, which just came out recently. If you haven't listened to it yet, go listen to the musical. It's absolutely amazing. Incredible work. Uh, done by all of us, particularly Adam. Uh, just absolutely crush it on the songs included in it. But um, lots of group effort in there. And I'm just going to get ahead of that so Adam doesn't have to go off and and uh, humble himself. But <laughs> there was there was a lot of oh, uh, you great know me content. Um, it so really was great. The, the songs um, turned out great. So for I'm going to put this out to you guys. I can I'll, I'll eventually answer too, but I'll I'll put it out to you guys, and we'll start with let's start with Seth, um, Mr. DM. What was probably uh, one of your highlights of season two as a whole? We had some pretty major arcs in there, um, you know, going through Man of Snow, Second Grand Treasure, some big things happened. Uh, what do you think was probably one of your top Oof. moments of season two? Yikes! Um, big yikes! Uh, <laughs> I feel. Also, first off, two years, everybody. Congrats. Pat yourself hey, Oh, my gosh. Dog. I can't two believe years. I missed that. Two years. <laughs> Put in a little, like, trumpeter. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There I don't want to edit one later. In a, so in a confetti just... pop. Um, but, yeah, two years. Congrats uh, for all of us. It's been a wild ride. And my... Okay, so the question. Uh, the biggest parts or the parts, you know, I'm most proud of uh, especially kind of as a DM, which I think is a little different, is probably the biggest one is honestly the Norman death early on because mm. I wasn't, pre- I was prepared for Norman's death, but it was, I thought if he died, it would happen way later at a way more uh, intense part. But I love it because you broke everything I planned into there, like everything changed. And uh, luckily I had something planned for when Norman ever went down, like a little bit of a fail safe thing of story wise. But uh, I'm just glad how that all came together. It was supposed to be a balanced fight. <laughs> it was I. It was supposed to be. But uh, you guys all split up and then uh, Norman 1v1 May, which was not a good idea at that level. <laughs> Well, and, especially uh, me with as fragile yeah. an understanding of D&D mechanics as I had. It was a, it was an inevitability that I was going to go down. He was like, yeah, oh, hit dice? It, what are those? <laughs> so. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm just proud of how uh, not only I handled it, thankfully on the fly it all turned out, and uh, also how Adam role-played it, uh, you know, with the Royce and him and Matt Samora conversations and stuff. So I think that one. 
Yeah, that was, I definitely would agree with you. I'm going to chalk that one up to player error. Like we, you know, it, and I mean, it made sense in the moment, you know, Zippy stayed on the ship. Darian was down there trying to get uh, to rescue some of the others who were trapped in the burning house. And it just kind of fell that way that Norm was the only one there. And we all kind of forgot that he had like five hit points left. So I should, I should clarify. Error. I don't. <laughs> I don't ever, I never plan for the players to die. Like I, what I mentioned earlier where I was like, oh, if Norman died, I had a fail safe. That was just like, just in case. And there was a few parts where I'm like, you know, player death could happen because it's a difficult challenge. Or, you know, I had monsters down the line that I was like, oh, I want to pull one of these out and it might be very dangerous. Um, but I never planned for him to die. And it was, uh, I, I just thought it was great. That, uh, you know, it all worked out. And even full circle at the end of season two, it all came back together. Oh, and what a payoff, too. <laughs> mm-hmm. what, would, what would we, like, call that? So there's, like, the Poker Rock arc at the beginning. We can probably call it, like, the yep. Poker Rock arc. What would we call that kind of that in-between Poker Rock and Man of Snow? That, like, like an interlude Mansion arc? Madness. Mansion Madness, is that what we call that? That's... <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was a little bit of an interlude uh, <laughs> transition arc, you know, like the traveling arcs. But then it turned into Cornelius or something, or (laughs) impending doom, or something like that. (laughs) I like Mansion Madness. That's a pretty good one. So let's make that canon. So we got the Poker Rock arc, Mansion Madness, Man of Snow, the Second Grand Treasure, and then, uh, then I don't know the conference, Bayside Ammo Conference, and the Ammo Conference. So wow, so that's so many arcs in one season. Actually, if you think about it, like we we really and then you think about season one, and season one was just like all one kind of big arc. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, it was all just like Comb being king and Orum arc. Um, but even that I think is a testament to how far our characters developed and how much the world developed as a result of us kind of pressing up against the boundaries because even as players I don't think we quite knew how far we could push against the walls and and see is there something outside of this town like if I kept walking does Seth know what's beyond there and that kind of assurance you develop as a player when you go somewhere that you're pretty confident doesn't exist yet and then it's already fully developed you could you could just go anywhere, so that allowed us to have more arcs. Because at least I know with me, sorry to in, to put my two cents in here, but you know back with season one, I never would have went as Zippy did. Let's go to this random town because I would have been uh, nervous that I would be breaking the game because the game wasn't ready for that yet. But season mm-hmm. two, you know, we were just different players by then. So I would I, I think it all worked out. Yeah, I think so too. But Jacob, you've been quiet for a few minutes. So what was your what do you think is your highlight of season two? Well, well, well. I'm glad you asked me, Connor. <laughs> Stepping down the steps of the sand <laughs> fortress. Well, well, well. Does anyone know that, des- that Destiny Two taunt that you get from Callus where they're just like he's like lounging back in that big chair? That's just how I picture Zippy all the time. <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. All right. <laughs> um my favorite moment it doesn't have to be your favorite but like what's one of your top top moments because it's hard like there was a lot we covered so what was just like a moment that really sticks out to you um that was like that that meant a lot to you and to the yeah that meant a lot to me yeah like that you thought was really exciting so it's either like specifically sentimental for you or or for the show as a whole like you just thought was like a really great moment i'm gonna need you to be a bit more specific (laughs) <laughs> what's one of your top five moments of this season 
that meant a lot to me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that a different question than you Seth was just asked? I don't think so. Well, I have I think it's all fluid at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Jacob, just 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 freaking tell me something you like, okay? <laughs> I'm stalling to remember. Uh... <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> uh... Um Uh, there's a couple. He doesn't remember any of it. <laughs> there was too much. Well, there's lots of great moments. There's the the lock picking school I did. There's me <laughs> becoming captain of the ship, and also like trying to get a good deal at the same time. Um, <laughs> there's me turning into an eagle during Man of Snow, or or changing the thing into a penguin. Um. But I think I really like going into the second Grand Treasure. That was just really fun. And I'm really proud of my rules during that. Um, Yeah. Because you all, it's always, it's true that the power of the rules from the inherent power of the the person playing the character. So I think I (laughs) asserted my dominance quite clearly in, uh, in that moment. That's that's one of those things like where I, I kind of mentioned like for the the Man of Snow arc where like the like for some reason in those those narrative moments like the dice just are in your favor and it's just crazy when that happens. So I'm glad you yeah, got like to the nat twenty that. with uh, the auto kill. Um, Isn't that like oh, yeah. survivor bias though? That's like like for every good role in an important situation there could be a bad role and a bad one. Well, we'll see. Here's hoping. Because you guys can't succeed at everything. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> at least I'm hoping you Look, don't. Look, Norman already died, okay? <laughs> I got to say, I got to say, uh, to the second grand treasure point, I don't think, I've mentioned this to, you know, some of, in our Patreon Discord and stuff. Um, I've never said it, like, uh, to listeners of the podcast here, so I'll say it now. The second grand treasure thing, I was so ready to just destroy Zippy, if not kill him, like legitimately. It was like the threat was supposed to be extremely real because Grand Treasures are like end game stuff, right? Um, And he goes down there and, you know, it's all spooky and quiet and everything's kind of, you know, uh, scary and seems extremely deadly. Uh, But he just kept rolling 20 after 20 after 20 and like really high rolls in between. And... I just, you know, it got to the point where I was like, if I punish him in any way, I feel like that's just discrediting the really great roles he's had. And I'm like, you know, I got to cater to that. I'm not going to harm him at, at a point because I was like, he's just rolled so well so many times uh, that it would just be literally unfair of me to, I like, to do anything. I like but, the moment where I tried to call for my magic carpet, but then uh, I realized I couldn't speak again. Oh, yeah. That yeah, was cool. yeah. That was very intense. Made it really eerie. That was like because uh, Adam and I were just kind of sitting and listening that part play out, and I, I remember when. That oh no, no 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 you weren't you were slowly crawling down with gorillas, <laughs> <laughs> gorillas, oh, uh, and, and not eagles because apparently they okay. can't fly out of there. I, I just <laughs> right? point oh this out, gosh. and this is not the point. Of, this is not the point of this podcast, uh, this episode, but. Eagles are not helicopters. They cannot just vertically lift when they flap their wings. They need to move <laughs> forward. So Gorillas was the most logical choice and set up the coolest set piece for a combat. Jumping down from level to level. I mean, uncontested. One of the coolest combats we ever had. So you're telling me in a, in a room where there's no wind, uh, uh, a bird wouldn't just be able to flap and just keep flapping upwards? 
no, they have to be moving. Like, they can do that for a moment when they're, like, picking their landing spot, but they can't just... They they can't lift up. That's they're not helicopters. Like there's no vortex. They have to create lift through momentum. That's how like wings work. Are <laughs> you, you saying that? my bird that because I went up as an eagle, a giant eagle? Well, I didn't think and... it was my right time to point out physics. You already had so <laughs> Are many. Are you saying my I... my wings weren't strong enough? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I'm saying my eagle's wings weren't strong enough. <laughs> After all your natural twenties, I, I thought the it bird carried over. physicists in here. We yeah, had, we had physicists before. We had like all these people from the one <laughs> Mana Snow arc uh, or Mechanos Mana Snow arc contact us after we did the weird physics thing in like right. the moving tower with like the movable rod or whatever. Um, we need a bird physicist in here because I don't know. <laughs> just think about it. When's the last time you've seen an eagle say, "I wish to ascend," and they just spread their wings out? I've seen it in just... movies. Where it's just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> where <laughs> oh, you laugh, but like, what's what's the difference between Lord of the Rings and D and D? None. Agreed. But <laughs> I'm, with, they move I'm with Jacob. Hashtag I'm with Jacob. Get that trending okay. on Twitter. And let's keep that. Going. I seem to remember <laughs> that bird coming in and picking up Frodo with his claws, and then just like helicoptering out of there. <laughs> All with right, Gandalf man. on his back. Okay, so we got to keep this moving so we're not talking about eagles all day. Um, Jacob, any other comments one, about that one moment? One more thing about the eagles. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Jacob, any other comments about that moment for you? Oh, it was really badass. I, I, was, I went to sleep really soundly that night. <laughs> Good, I'm happy to hear it. I'm happy to hear it. <laughs> you deserved it, man. You deserved it. Adam, what about you? What's one of your... Uh, What's one of your favorite moments from the season two? I mean, it's so hard to answer this because there are so many cool moments. And if I had to say, like, what were some of my personal moments that I thought, you know, like my characters were sweet? I have so many. But I got to say the proudest moments of the show was probably two of them, both very close to each other, is the whole Man of Snow arc where we're climbing the mountain and we find the whole snail and then we keep climbing the mountain and we have to fight the Mechanos for the first time. And then afterwards, when we all get split up in this world that is so foreign to us, I think that's the first time that all three of us are away from each other. We don't just do a one-way split where one character is by themselves and then the other two are together where they can still bounce off each other. That was the first time that we each had to carry the show on our own for some degree of the time. And it was an amazing collaboration because all three characters had a role to play. And then Seth was somehow able to make all three of them matter when they all got back together. And I just thought that was a great seamless, uh, uncoordinated coordination. And, yeah. Yeah, that was that <laughs> was really cool. uncoordinated. <laughs> I I, I remember looking back on that and saying, that was really cool like you just develop a natural instinct but a trust with all the other players. So that was really cool. I liked that a lot. Yeah. And yours I, was a bit forced on you too there, Adam, cuz I, I <laughs> seem to remember throwing you at a, as a rat. <laughs> yeah, I loved room. it. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm going to hide in place as a rat. And then I couldn't change back cuz it wasn't like I turned myself into a rat. You turned me into <laughs> yeah. a rat. So it was like <laughs> and then yeah, and then you got like attacked by the ground squirrel and then you just oh. burst it through the ceiling cuz you expanded. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so funny. Yeah. I got to say too, I really I really think the the three-way split uh was 
super interesting also very a nightmare for me but the it was great i think for peterson because i feel like a lot of people when peterson came on the scene everybody was really wanting norman already back like people miss norman and especially after he had such a cool reveal with royce people wanted norman you know and then peterson comes on the scene and listeners weren't super you know open to him yet different you know, they flavor were like, very different flavor who's the new kid on the block kind of thing you know like a uh, different flavor uh, is peterson good he's not norman you know but i feel like through that arc and then through rasha and to the end like you know i loved seeing the fan opinion change on him and i think having him like work mm. on his own and have to carry the show on, show on his own for a second uh really helps solidify his place you know in the show and then you know oh. eventually at the end everybody was like Adams just has to play both. He has to play <laughs> Peterson and Norman because we love them both. So I love that. Time yeah. to do a soul fusion. <laughs> where, they, where they come I think, together. I, I think like going uh, back a little bit to Adam's point on like talk about like the, the juggling the moments uh, there on Seth's part. I think that's a good testament to kind of like Seth's DMing in that like I mm. think Seth does an exceptional job really like sharing the spotlight between characters, like giving each character their own kind of like time to shine and significance in, in the different moments throughout the show. So I don't th- think that any character is like like a, a secondary character. Like I think he does a really good job balancing that um, between all of them. And I think as a player, that's something great to to kind of like work along with um, amongst, I'm sure from the listening perspective, kind of getting that shared spotlight, I think is a really cool thing. So great job, Seth. That's my, that's my Thank you. compliment. And Connor, you what is your favorite moment? For me, I was, I was thinking about it because especially after we were just running earlier through like all the different like arcs, like really thinking about how much we covered, like it's, it, it is difficult to choose. Um, I'm going to be a little bit biased and pick, a moment towards the end of the season just because it's most recent. Um, but that dream sequence where Darian and Zippy oh, go into the, yeah. the top of that mountain and they see Norman in the reflection and that whole moment and the, the editing for that scene. I think, Jacob, did you... You edited that scene, correct? No, it was Seth. Or it was Seth. I apologize. Sorry. Seth edited that scene, the song choice and everything for that whole moment I thought was a great just a great scene on its own, but then as it works, it's kind of like a prelude to Norman's eventual return. I think as a story point, um, like I was like during the recording, like I was like tearing up and then playing it back. I was like tearing it up, like tearing up. I was like, this is, this is such a good mm-hmm. story being told here that I just, I was so excited and so hyped about it. And I know we're biased cause we're in it, but like, I just, I loved that scene. Um, as it came not together. To, not to mention, like, just the imagery alone. Like, I gotta get some artwork of that, because it's just, just such a cool image. Like, that's gotta oh, yeah. be, like, so original. Just, oh my gosh, man. That Yeah, way to, way to go, Seth. That was great. It was. And then cue everybody in our Reddit just posting similar type images. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. that's, I'm kidding. No, I appreciate it, guys. But, uh, yeah, no, I thought it was it was. Good. And I, uh, also, when we were playing that, every now and then I like to play music when I can. It's a little difficult to juggle since we're all remote and, you know, to make the audio play. But for that scene, when we actually recorded it, I played that exact same track that you heard in the episode for the guys. So it just really kind of like brought everybody's energy into it. And it was just, I don't know. I thought I thought everybody, especially uh, Connor and Jacob, like the emotion, their characters, like Zippy and 
Darian were having, just being like, push, push, I got his horse and stuff. Like, it was just, it was super good. Yeah. So kudos all around. Yeah. I think there's some and great- kudos to Adam for dying for that. I, was yeah. like, I think <laughs> I nailed that scene. Personally, my dialogue bit was the best. I crushed it. Uh, I think, like, just like, as I mentioned, like, back on, like, because we did, really did go through so much this season. Like, there's some fantastic moments earlier on, too. Like, Jacob mentioned with the lockpicking scene. Like, that was- so funny the i mean the whole sequence when we first see demon norman when he does die in that mm. co- confrontation with may is also another exceptional moment like there's there's really some great moments in the season that as a player uh, it's really exciting to look back at um even and, the brood oils were sick and then the first time we're in yeah. the airship first time we're flying that whole narrative and then when we were falling because the brutals are still on the ship and we all had to try to find a way to keep the ship afloat and then zippy through the like the nitro overboard it's just such a great great show yeah a, a moment another moment that stands out to me is like i guess a well, it's like a team moment, but like the the switch sacrifice scene at the near the climax oh, or during the climax yeah, of the Man of Snow arc also is another great scene that um, that Seth kind of put together there um, as well. And I, I, yeah, it was I loved and, playing that scene out. And kudos um, to you guys for making that train. I man, I did not. Yeah, Jacob that, finding that switch clutch. We edited <laughs> it out, but well, you got a net twenty with it too, and I we edited it out, but. I, I paused for quite some time to be like, what do I do? Like, like <laughs> he flipped a switch. What is the switch? I, I, I was joking. I didn't think he'd roll high. And then, of course. Uh, the first of many. Zippy's, and then, yeah, it was the first of a, a long string of 20s that Zippy was going to be flexing on us with. Okay, so I think it's time. We've had enough of our little circle jerk here about these great moments. So why don't we... <laughs> Transition into some great fan questions. We had uh, a lot of uh, questions submitted on the Discord from our patrons. So thank you, everybody, who submitted questions. We don't have time to do all of them, um, but we will do as many as we can. So I just wanted to say thank you to those who are part of it. Um, and for those of you who are not, uh, we would love you? if you guys would consider looking at our Patreon and becoming part of that and joining our our community there. Uh, we would love to have you for as little as two bucks a month. We'd we'd love to have you guys be part of that. But for those of you who are unable to, um, just you guys listening and sharing our content is is support enough. So we just want to also thank you for that. Um, so why don't we uh, jump into it here? So Seth, we got a question first for you from one of our uh, patrons, uh, Nicola. Is uh, how old is Paige really? Sometimes she's twelve, seven, ten. How old is she really? She's all of them. That's the magic. Um, <laughs> I know that's, that's the secret. That's the big secret of Paige. Um, no, uh, I know the art that we got done of it makes them look a little bit older than uh, what I've suggested. But in my mind, Paige is about nine years old. Uh, Marley uh, is 13, just 13. Like I would say like 12, 13. And Bradley, if you're curious, is like 11 turning 12. So very soon. All right. Just a little scamp. <laughs> Perfect. Almost time for she's, his bar mitzvah. You know, she's got a couple questions listed here, so I think we'll we'll try and we'll try and fly through some of those. So also during the finale, uh, Zippy was paralyzed and wanted to say something to Darian. Uh, what did he want to say? So this is to Jacob. Um, I. It's hard for me to remember just because it it was such a hectic moment, and again, we do all these things. Seth throws it as songs, whatever. It's it's all done without 
our knowledge. And so I'm trying to remember exactly like in the hectic moment of us being basically on death's door. I think it was either that I was going to, if I could say something, get my my uh, magic carpet to maybe get Darian out of there or try to get us both out of there. Or maybe I was just going to like uh, tell him to like use his teleportation at all if he could. Like it was a hectic moment. Like I, especially with just like, you know, calling in the assassination attempt and everything. It was, uh, I just remember like my brain firing on all cylinders, looking at my spell sheet and whatnot. (laughs) (laughs) It was a very chaotic moment for sure. All right. We have a question from Randy, uh, as well from our discord for Adam. Uh, could you walk us through the shaman initiation process? I knew uh, in um, I knew that question was coming. And I'm going to say, if I told you, goblins would come and kill you. It's a top secret. <laughs> I don't know. You know, so many things that we say are just for comedic effect. I mean, he was branded, if you must know. I mean, you know, the sacrifice to become a shaman is high. And the t- pain tolerance has to be high as well. So... I I think you should write a little piece on the shaman initiation like process. I will write a novella, and it will go into excruciating detail of the excruciating process of becoming a shaman. <laughs> give us give us one step. It doesn't have to be in order. Just one step of the process. Uh, searing a burning hot coal, placed in a pattern to make uh, a name on an ass. There you go. Something something something's <laughs> going on there. So the blue flower covered your ass name. That's that's a part of the show. Ooh, see, now it's a spoiler. That's what's answered on the map. The the man, we just gave it away. <laughs> All right. All right. There's a question for me on here, um, also from Randy. So thank you, Randy, for your question. Uh, given the newly acquired knowledge about Darian's father and uh, and his recent reaction to the Mechanos in the mountains, would he consider rebuilding the Switch Sword? Uh, and then he also added on, what kind of training uh, did I have to go through to get the perfect face uh, and that's in regards to a picture that actually you can find on our reddit from our november campaign that's now being colloquially called the dad face um <laughs> so to answer your first question uh given the newly acquired knowledge about uh darian's father um i would say maybe um so that's something i've been trying to unpack uh, a little bit with a lot of the revelations that we have with the Mechanos, the conversation that followed with Gallard um, about the real realizations of, of who his father was and everything that's happened and how the Mechanos were involved with him as well. Uh, I wouldn't say it's it's never going to happen, but I would definitely say it's, it's not at the forefront of his mind. Um, hmm. I think Darian is currently on a path where he's just going to be looking for power. Um, and if the most achievable route uh, is potentially building another mechanical weapon in, in that regard, that could potentially be something he pursues. But um, I think with the path that they're on with the journal, heading to Leek's Garden um, on their path for this uh, potentially unfound grand treasure, um, I think he'll see some more priority with finding that power first. But not not necessarily never. Um, so we'll see. Um, how that unfolds uh, more in the next season uh, when that comes around. Uh, in terms of training for the perfect uh, face, that dad face, uh, the training is have children. 
and then you'll get that face. So <laughs> I can't give you any other advice other than that. In the hospital, when your first uh, child was born, yeah. just immediately your face sulked into this disappointed dad look. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Please make it a meme, everyone. Uh, and we uh, we have another question here from Ice Dragon. That's one for all of us. Um it's, uh, uh, I've always wondered what Zippy considers his alignment to be and what would, uh, Norman and Darian consider it to be as well. Um, so Jacob, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you kick that one Ooh. off. I am so curious about this. Well, maybe you guys should say what you think it is before I reveal it. Chaotic. <laughs> Just start. Chaotic, chaotic. No, I'm um, I, okay, yeah, I would definitely say chaotic. I mean, you're gonna pull something out of your butt to spin that, but like, it's gotta be chaotic. Um, yeah, I well, no, yeah, well, but what alignment? I would say chaotic neutral because it it feels like uh, when we first met Zippy and how the process has gone, he was really all about the business and about his his kind of like financial endeavors, which feels more like a neutral stance um, than anything else. Maybe chaotic good, but I would probably land on chaotic neutral. And for me, I would say season one, chaotic neutral. See, towards the end of season two, chaotic good, for sure. Yeah, I'd say I'd say either like true neutral or or chaotic good. Yeah, I think that's along the 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 path there. I think Adam is mostly on it. There is the how I've always kind of considered Zippy, and I said this to some of like our patrons as well um is that like the thing with zippy and coming up with characters like what would happen if you threw like uh, someone who is in like a family of like thousands outside of like that family and into a world what would that like person kind of be like like someone who is like who would this person like be so super socially awkward or would this person be uh, because they're not in their safety net of their family or in Zippy's case it's like this person's constantly trying to prove himself because because he has that opportunity now because you can only because it's even I've mentioned a couple of times with the carrots where it's just like uh, Seth asked me it's like oh are your carrots the best carrots in the um, bramble patch and the best answer that anyone even in the bramble patch could come up with is like uh, uh you know they're they're good you know but there might be someone's better someone who's better and things like that so there, there's you can never be in the bramble patch i've always kind of considered it you can never be like the guy unless unless you're like king of black bunny castle um, <laughs> <laughs> of course um but uh and so for the beginning of the Zippy transformation, uh, it's like he's with, he's, you know, a part of this raid, uh, trying to get into the Gears Guild and whatnot. Um, and of course, he's going to be like the guy who grabs the rock at the beginning, right? And the talk, the rocky, the talk, the talk rock. And of course, like he comes up with, uh, helps, you know, he tells the team, no, we're teammate type of thing. Uh, but, or, or like even like just doing crazy jumps or like digging into people at the beginning. It's because I've always considered Zippy as always someone who's wanted to try hard to be someone. That's why he's in the business of like ammo company. He's going to be like the top of the pyramid. He's going to, and, and, 
how he does this and achieves this and because he he just doesn't know social norms especially outside the bro patch or even he's just been like he's gone to bunny school and then he's told the farm type of thing and then he's like got this opportunity to be something more and he does but what does it again what does it mean when he's just rabbits a, ra- a single rabbit among thousands mm. and so he, <laughs> so zippy zippy took that and ran with it in regards to yeah he was definitely chaotic neutral at the beginning but the interesting thing is that like and what you can do with D campaigns is that this whole transformation process of what does it mean for someone to want to prove themselves all the time but then be around two other characters who are also like doing the same not doing the same thing but like <laughs> like don't see, would never see zippy as being like the god of their party type of thing <laughs> <laughs> and i think zippy would have liked that uh coming like especially in the first season uh and i think there'd be mo- there's moment like me going to the queen's castle and going like turning into a rat and doing all these things um but I think I, I think it was really Norman's death that really did it a transformation. I think the little infighting that Zippy had with Norman was a type of like power struggle. I think for Zippy in regards to, um, uh, like Norman was so talented and Norman was very witty and funny, and I think that like those are things that Zippy lacks in probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I think. But when Norman died, and I think there's another thing you can look at, and sorry, I'm rambling, I'm, I'm taking a bit long here, but I think it's important is that another thing to take into context as well with the Bramble Patch is it's very hard, I think, for it's very unlikely for someone to take complete responsibility for something because there's so many rabbits. And like, let's say someone left the, the tilling... Um, equipment out in the field or something well the parents or wh- whoever owns the field isn't gonna try to find out who it is he's just gonna blame the people who work that shift because there's so many rabbits and so um when it came to the point with with normandy's death i think that personally i think maybe if i hadn't stayed on the ship for um that length uh, stayed on the ship and instead, like, got yogurt or someone to do the hold the ship steady or whatever, and instead go down and help Norman because it was clearly dicey of what was going down there. And so I think he holds himself and still, and maybe we'll get into this more in season three now that Normandy's back, so I won't spoil too much. But, like, I think there's a sense of responsibility and guilt that Zippy's felt, and I think that's very new for him. And Ooh. so that, uh, because of you know what it means to be in the bramble patch you're not really ever taking responsibility for anything but i think this whole like he kind of is taking responsibility for this um norman's death and that's why through like the christmas musical he really cared about like dropping the presents off at normandy's bed um or even just like asking about norman and and checking up on norman and things like that even though we were fighting so much at the beginning i think there's been a shift and now I believe him to be chaotic neutral. Uh, I do think Zippy's nature is chaotic. He'll always have that that yearning to be someone more than just a rabbit. Because do you mean of... chaotic good? Oh yeah, sorry, chaotic good. I meant chaotic good. My apologies, chaotic good. Because he'll always want that chaoticness to stand out. 
But I think um, because of Darian in Normandy, it's put him on like a path of like, yeah, I can be chaotic, but I can be chaotic for the right reasons. And that's like my two teammates here and, and everyone else on the ship where I think in this first season, Zippy could have just been like, yeah, screw these guys. I'm just going to I'm going to jump off a cliff because you know? <laughs> I can't. And now and now you have to deal with Peterson's death. So exactly. A- anyways, that is just, yeah. So chaotic good now chaotic neutral before sorry for rambling but that's kind of like opens up a bit of stuff for people with zippy yeah i but think that was good I, I, I think it is good it's uh, it's interesting to see kind of a little bit into his thought processes um around because yeah, i think a lot of people situations. can can tend to see zippy as just even just how you play him jacob as being kind of like you know thoughtlessly chaotic and just trying to throw a wrench in my dm plans which you know, I think at some level is true, <laughs> but but at the same time, you know, it is in character. It's not it's not uh, mindless or or even you know maybe it's not even as uh, random as people might think. Yeah, I think like after Norman's death, you could really see any crazy thing that that Zippy did as like, oh, I hope I hope Darian notices that that I like. I fucking did something badass, but then also at the same, also at the same time now, it's like, but I also hope that this gets me closer to bringing Norman back type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it was all, it all became so clear in his conversation with Lou Blonger when Zippy's whole belief system in Lou and the ammo company and his way of becoming on top was being dismantled in that conversation. And then there's this one moment that I didn't catch it the first time where he just says, yeah, but you, Norman. And it was just such a powerful moment just for me listening to it because it was, you know, Jake somehow managed to bring this entire logical understanding, uh, uh, bring it a break it apart with an emotional response because of an emotional connection he developed, you know? And yeah, anyways, I'm rambling too, but. No, no, yeah, I, yeah, I enjoy the whole process, and I'm excited to see what season three has in store for Zippy now that Norman's back and whatnot. Yeah, I loved, I, I loved that glimpse at the end of our holiday musical when the whole thing ends up being kind of like a story that Zippy's telling Norman at his bedside. I thought that was really good. So we got to keep moving though. We've been on this question for Alignments too long. Quick, quick, Darian and Norman. Oh, um, the, <laughs> the I'll give you the Cole's note version. Darian was originally supposed to be chaotic neutral uh, because he was from the Feywild. Um, early on, based on group dynamics, I started playing Darian way different than I had originally intended to, intended to. He was meant to be more chaotic, um, but based on the dynamics of dynamics of the group, uh, he shifted more to a true neutral, uh, or if anything, which is out of character for Fey, maybe even uh, some ways more closer to lawful, but. I would not say not quite because he still makes some reckless decisions, but definitely more to true, true neutral, maybe neutral good. Let's and and Draken's gonna drag you back down to chaotic evil. Oh yeah, so I'm so I'm so excited <laughs> for that. Um, but Adam, and, quick. Uh, Adam, give quickly Peterson and Norman. Okay, so with Norman, I'm gonna plead the fifth on that one, just because Season ever three. since <laughs> his conception, he has been at war with himself. He's been torn in so many different directions based on his upbringing, but also what he believes his heritage is. Um, and and I, I can't really get into it without kind of going into things that are going to be developed in Season 3. Um, 
But with Peterson, definitely a I would I would almost say true neutral because he would do anything for what he believes is right, but that uh, it doesn't really take, at least when he he started, he would have been willing to do anything for what he believed is right and f- to the people to which he owed loyalty. So it was, I must do what's right for my tribe, and whatever the cost, I will pay it. Um, and then he himself goes through a transformation, um, having saved everyone else's lives, but also finding a place of, and, but then having his life saved by Zippy and Darian at multiple times. And then also just developing genuine friendships with with them when you know he is an enlightened goblin he's a very educated goblin which we never really got a chance to explore but his tribe was not like that so his being with Zippy and Darian was the first time uh that he was really challenged on his beliefs and even just his intellectual conviction so um toward he would have been like true neutral at the beginning but towards the end well, you know what? I think he would have stayed the same. Honestly, I think he would have been true neutral, but fiercely loyal to those to which he has his allegiances. Um, is basically all. It was just whoever whoever had him on his team, he would go for. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not exactly like not mercenary style. Not whoever was paying him, but whoever he was close with, he would he would kill for and and not apologize for it. In fact, I'll I'll keep this brief. But you know, in the his first episode. You know, there's a time when there's an orc, half orc boy that is in the way of them achieving their goal, oh, yeah. and and he has to like either kill him or lose the way out of the pink slime level. And I remember thinking Norman would absolutely never pull the trigger on this, but I wasn't held by those shackles with Peterson because he was self-preservation and preservation of my tribe. And so if this kid's in the way, man, fireball that punk, and that's what he tried to do. So. Mm-hmm. Neutral through and through. Oh, yeah. Very. Seth, let's let's hear a little bit more from you. We got a question from Douglas. Uh, right. uh, he wants to know, uh, I'm going to play loose with the question here a little bit, but kind of based on the revelations that we've seen in season two, uh, some pretty big reveals. Uh, Douglas wants to know what the process is when planning out the long game and how do you organize it and keep track of the characters involved? Mm hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, um, uh, uh, can I say I don't? It's all it's all off the cut. No, okay. <laughs> it's uh, my notes. Uh, I'll, I'll, it's difficult to describe, uh, but basically, you know, I don't I don't just write in Word docs. I do a little bit of that. It's all very bullet point. I don't flesh out everything to an extreme extent, but I have you know the main points and everything laid out. But honestly, how I do long game stuff and history of the world and, you know, potential future plots and stuff. Uh, it's all on kind of this actual visual timeline that I've built. It's it's literally like a picture um, with bubbles that have words in them to trigger my remembering. And then, you know, I have docs and, and written text associated with those bubbles. But in the, in the long game, whenever, after usually a session, whenever I've dropped something, for example, uh, Darian with... Kendula and Odin, whenever I mentioned, you know, oh, his ring, his ring there, they might not be able to kill him with that ring in season one. You know, as soon as I mentioned that, I put it in the bubble where it was. And then uh, I kind of have an end idea, you know, a payoff. I always have a beginning and a payoff. And then I leave the middle very abstract because, you know, you need to do that with an improv game. But basically, it's very visual. 
because uh, that's just how I work. And uh, so, yeah, it's a lot of bubbles and it's literally a line of time. Uh, and that's how I think and organize it. I want that as a poster, that right? visual when you're done. When when, <laughs> okay, the, well, I when the show is done, no, I want that no. as a poster. Yeah, DM, yeah, please. We'll see if all of them pay off. We don't we don't know. But yeah, that's how I construct it. I I'll, I'll I can share uh, that after the whole campaign's over, I can maybe share some notes and stuff and how I how I did it. But that's yeah, I would love to see that image uh, after the campaign is over and how that uh, that all ties together. That, we'll make it a shirt. Yeah, that'd be really exciting. To give see. it, give it now. <laughs> Bad spoilers. Never. So we have another question here from Camden, uh, and he said, "If if you could get one of Valentine's magic items uh, right now, what would it be?" I. I'll, I'll tell you guys, yeah, so for listeners, obviously, there is a dock that keeps kind of being added to of Valentine's inventory that I give to the guys every time they visit him. Uh, so there's a lot of things in there that's never been mentioned. Uh, I I don't know if it was mentioned, but this is the one I would pick is the Instant Fortress. Oh, that's what I was going to um, pick. It's like, <laughs> yeah, literally, like, all of a sudden, you get a little kind of mini castle from castle standards, but still, it's like... It, it's kind of exactly what Zippy did in the musical, but uh, but an but made of stone and not sand. Wet sand. <laughs> Wet sand. Wet sand. Um, if you can't remember um, everything from the list, what's one of your favorite things that you got from Valentine at this stage? Mine was also the fortress and uh, Seth Stillman's on there a little bit. The only other thing I can think of would be the really the overexcited ninja stars, as I think is what they're called. Oh, yeah. uh, which is when you throw them, they like shout things out and like, scream like <laughs> "wee" when you throw them. I just thought that's really funny, and that's one thing I love about Seth's DM style is sometimes Seth will drop ridiculous things in there, literally for the sake of it being ridiculous, and I love that. And there's there's he's got quite a few items in Valentine's shop that are those things, and it's a uh, it's really exciting. That's pretty much the void chest. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that thing is so sick. That that would be the source of my favorite item that I've ever got. So many items I've got from there I haven't had a chance to use yet because Norman bought them and then literally died the next episode. But um, back in season one, when I had that jar uh, or that water bottle filled with a fog, and then yeah. uh, Norman was gonna die because he was he took the shape of Zippy and was leading. What's the guy's name? Um. Who was the big Carmine. yeah Carmine away, and then Carmine like finds him, is about to kill him, and then poof, the jar breaks. The whenever you bleed in daylight, yeah. So that was awesome. Fun um, behind the scenes on that is one thing we spun on that. So in, during the void chest generation, the original item actually that was generated there. This is where we had to play. We were a little creative just with the void chest. Is it was originally a bird's cloaca. I believe is what it was. That was whenever yeah. you bled in daylight, it exploded in a cloud of fog. And we were Googling it and we were like, what is a bird's cloaca? <laughs> what is this thing? I, no, wait. I think, I think you're incorrect. Cloaca is a bird's asshole. Uh, what it <laughs> was, was like, I believe what it was, was it was like a bird's, like a sparrow's uh, ulna or something, which I think is a leg bone. What? But it? birds don't have those. So, 
basically in the moment. Yeah, the Ulna thing. I, I tried to look for it. I'm not sure what bone it is. Maybe somebody can comment. But uh, in the moment, I was like, I don't know what the hell this is. So I'm just going to change it to a water bottle. The effect was the same. The effect was like, you know, the fog mm-hmm. when you bleed in daylight. But I just changed the name of, you know, what the actual item was. Right. I think you did. There was another thing about a bird's cloak you talked about. Maybe it was an episode. Maybe that was a conversation that was just we a joke. had. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, I think that was just a joke where I was like, what could you pull out? A bird's cloaca. What a good find. <laughs> it's like... It's like, wow, Valentine, that's not a good found. <laughs> yeah. Anything from you, Jacob, quick that comes to mind? Uh, I don't, I never pull from the void chest, so I think the thing that makes that I have the biggest relationship with is season one would have been the doorknob handle uh, or the, the, mm-hmm. the door handle that can make me go through anything. But I feel like now it's the magic carpet just because it's so useful. Um, 100%. But yeah, so I, I mean, I just have like a good relationship with those items so <laughs> all right yeah those are your bread and butter yeah um we're we're starting to move far along in our questions so i think we'll let's try and get it through Speed a couple round. more uh a little bit quicker um so this is probably one of my favorite questions that was asked in all of discord it's another one from nicola uh it's who is your favorite npc and why is it jelly belly well it's jelly belly <laughs> 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 I I just I simply love that question because Jelly Belly actually is one of my favorite NPCs. Um, if you don't know who that is, go back and listen to the Darien prequel episode. It's uh, a little orc boy he meets uh, at a summer camp that only speaks uh, Spanish, and Seth had all of these uh, preset Spanish lines that he would say to me. And <laughs> that was one of the few episodes we actually recorded in person. The rest of the time we do a recording online, and I was howling at the table that we were recording at together and it was so funny um inspiration came from buzz lightyear from toy story 3 yeah, <laughs> yeah. um but, but but yeah who is who would you say is uh, your favorite npc npc so far uh in the story i mean i like james or yogurt but um Definitely not. Definitely not Bradley. <laughs> I hate that kid. And Paige. And Paige. <laughs> no. Yeah. And Paige. Um. Yeah. Probably yogurt or James. I don't know. I like those. I. Especially yogurt because I've been with yogurt since my prologue. So. Not it. Not anymore though. Uh, tears. Connor, how about you, man? Adam, what about you? Ooh. Um. Okay, well, man, I really like Gilbert. I thought I'm still convinced. Well, I mean, we learned it in the last episode. Well, you liked Gilbert. Ooh. Well, no, I I still think at the end of episode or the last episode of season two, you know, we learned that there's a lot he was hiding, but we don't really know what his motives were. And I always suspected, man, there's so much more to this guy that is being withheld from us. Like he's he's way more powerful than we think. And he knows more than we do. I always thought he was he was good. Like, there's there's a really quick moment in season one where, you know, there's the whole tomato soup scene. And if people don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen to it. It's a great moment. But um, where Norm makes a soup, and we know that there's an ingredient missing in the soup that Norman doesn't know what it is. And then Gilbert has a taste of it. And he says, man, it's really good. And just even there, you know... We know, okay, he's playing the field. And, of yeah, like, he's just being polite. But he's also, like, that was great acting on Seth's part, too, because he was saying, well, this guy is trying to placate everyone. You know, but I, I always mm-hmm. really, I really liked Gilbert. 
Jacob? Well, you already kind of said uh, yogurt. Seth, who do you think is one of your uh, favorite uh, NPCs you've played so far? Is yours legitimately Jelly Belly? Uh, you know what? It He's up there because, like, I don't know if, other than maybe Valentine. Valentine's up there, too, because he's also another NPC that has made me laugh so much in just the way that he communicates overall. But, like, him and Jelly Belly are definitely up there as, like, some of my favorite NPCs. Um for sure. You don't like the guy who made you do chores? Oh, frick that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Scraps. Scraps. And Draken's fantastic as well. Draken um, is also very yeah, enjoyable. Like He's fun as a player to bounce off, off of in uh, in the dialogue because um, he really pushes Darian. But um, it, from a comedic aspect, I think, I think probably Valentine has to take it. Just because the interactions are just so funny with him that I, I just love it. <laughs> Valentine is very, very uh, fun to play. If I had to say someone who's like the most fun to play, I'd say either Yogurt or, or Valentine. But uh, in terms of the character, the NPC I do love the most and the one that I've you know spent the most time thinking about is got to be Lublonger. He is, if it isn't apparent, he is the big bad um spoilers and you know i i put a lot of thought into him and i i you know we saw just kind of a little bit of a taste of you know his his morals and ideals but i think that he's got a lot more to show so hopefully people like him but he's he's i love the i love the voice too and a little little spoiler to show you how the wheels were turning in my head which i never told the guys but mr duck i told jacob this actually later but mr duck in the christmas musical has a very similar voice a little oh bit more cartoony gosh, he does. but uh <laughs> mr duck uh even if you think about the mr duck plot uh is he's kind of the king of his little forest and and zippy can't take a little tree now <laughs> waddle waddle what do you do here and uh <laughs> and you can't take a tree from his forest and and stuff and you know he's very protective of his people and he has kind of a cult following so you know even back then i was kind of planting a seed in an episode that was like a one-off musical thing to tie it back into uh a, it was kind of like a little precursor of uh maybe uh you know, a, a comparison piece to, to Lou Blonger eventually. I love it. So, yeah. That's so good. All right. We're going to, we're going to, uh, do this one really quick. Uh, just another one from Nicola. Uh, thank you for all these questions, by the way. Excellent questions. Um, kind of continuing off of that other NPC question. Uh, if you could play any of the NPCs that we've met in the story so far, uh, who would you pick? Uh, I'll, I'll start just cause I, I've been thinking about it after I read the question. Uh, for me, I thought a fun NPC to play in terms of an actual player, uh, was actually Farron. Uh, Farron, the sorcerer candidate from the first season. Um, and largely because I loved all the masks and stuff she pulled out. Um, a character I've never really played before, someone who's got like a lot of utility in terms of like actual like magical items in terms of that being a primary source of their abilities and it just seemed like a really fun player to also mix in yeah like a lot of like sorcerer play which sorcerers uh, are a lot of fun um so i definitely would like to play i believe it's it's a bard a bard subclass that i was well yeah that's the inspiration i got it from was there's a bard subclass where it's kind of like you know happy mask salesman mm-hmm. from from majora's mask so play it maybe next time yeah maybe i'll check it out um but uh adam jacob uh i'm gonna throw it to adam specifically uh who if there was an npc that you could play in the game who would it be James, 100%. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't do anything. Well, I know, and that's... No, that's the point. Yeah, I'm with you. That's yeah, the his, point. Yeah, his mystery... <laughs> well, like, I just don't know what his class is, if he's just like an NPC. But we know... It's Butler class. 
Yeah, but but if we if he had you know he's a half orc, so we know he has relentless endurance, savage attack. He has a sick backstory. Um, <laughs> if he if he was just opened, if you opened up that jar a little bit, who knows what's inside there? So for him, him for sure. Jacob, uh, I would be uh, Mongo. Is what his name is. <laughs> yeah, the giant ape. <laughs> oh my gosh! So I could go go to the Bahamas and and uh, chill there because I'm pretty sure that's yeah. what he ended up doing. <laughs> yeah, he sends me postcards still every now and then. <laughs> Seth, um, for me, for me, definitely hands down, and I loved playing him too. Was uh, Leslie. Um, I'll, I'll never forget. Not only because he's freaking Astro Boy, but also because uh, I, I just love the way he talks and acts. It just such like a nerdy band kid. And I, my favorite role playing moment that I had to do was when you guys went into the shop for the first time. He's just like, "There's a girl," and he like starts singing. You know, and you guys are like, "Oh my gosh!" And Jacob was putting his foot down we need to take the shitty guide that can that's gonna break into musical song and not clearly <laughs> the good one we need him uh, yeah we need him that's oh, funny but yeah that's fantastic well our our goal for this episode was trying to keep it around an hour um so i think we got a really good question one more okay. one more well, question. yeah we got we got one more to go out on um and this is uh just more of a general one for for kind of the fans. It's another great one from Nicola. You just had some great questions this time around. Um, but it's during uh, this very stressful time kind of around the world for obvious reasons. Um, where have you been finding inspiration and what tips would you give other creatives who've had a hard time continuing to produce content? Mm. Um, I think we were very fortunate given... Uh, the pandemic and everything because our show uh unlike you know well not unlike but uh, unlike a lot of the actual plays that i'm in contact with in the D D podcast space uh we record remotely from our houses all separately uh, we we rarely ever play in person unfortunately but uh you know the pandemic didn't hinder our our ability to record the podcast and stuff um so we were very fortunate that way and and you know, it sucks for those who had to, you know, go on hiatus and stuff. But to stay creative in this in this time is difficult. And and what I would say as, you know, hopefully a, a creative writer and stuff to other writers out there or or, or content creators, um, you know, feel free to take the break. You, you don't have to be in go mode. And, you know, you hear, you hear it a lot. Like, don't you don't have to be capitalizing on the pandemic break now uh, and you don't have to be capitalizing on that space or feel like you're not doing well if if you're not capitalizing on this newfound free time uh just take the time to break and do what i do which is take a, a long shower do funny voices to yourself until all of a sudden a good idea pops out of thin air um <laughs> but that's just me uh but i'm curious what you guys think uh what tips or or you know, knowledge Go, you could give to fellow players. Going off of what you said, uh, um, it was like you were saying, sitting in the shower and talking to yourself in funny voices to have a good idea. I actually do something similar on long car rides. I will just do monologues of Darian in my head. And I'll, I'll do it kind of like recapping or accounting things that have happened in previous episodes. And that's one of the ways that I kind of like unpack things that have happened and kind of exploring that but it's a great idea 
Yeah, so that was that's how I've explored a lot of the ideas. Is I just will actually monologue out his thought process, and that helps me kind of find where those things go. It's one thing that's helped me for that specifically, but that's a specific character. And, and so, in terms of like a general thing, I think for me throughout this whole process um, is if 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 you're not someone who like Seth said who needs to take a break and and needs to just you know take that time to rest. For me, it's been find someone to collaborate with. Um, Someone else who may be having uh, some more time during the break and if they are in that situation, they can work with. Because like working with, you know, these three guys on this show is is one of the things that like, you know, is the magic of Cheaper by the Dungeon. It's it's the four of us coming together. So, you know, if you can if you can find, you know, someone in your life that you can jump on a, a Skype call or a Zoom call with that you can you can collaboratively collaboratively work on something so you're still getting you know that communication that connection you know when everyone's distancing like bringing people closer to you in that way has been helpful for me in in being excited about the show um to to keep that motivation to to keep going where it's building we were also very fortunate that we were you know at the climax of our season and so like you know I think we all had the motivation to want to really finish well on it. So we were very lucky in that regard. But yeah, see if you can find someone to collaborate with um, that you can bounce ideas off of. And it's uh, can also help with writer's block too. So that would be my advice. To me, uh, you can have as much inspiration around you as uh, like anything around you just going for a walk or, or whatever can be inspirational, but you have to... You have to like, you can have all the inspiration around you as you want, but you have to be able to be in a mindset where you can allow it to transform into a vision. And so, and to do that, you really have to take care of yourself and do the, and become, try to become a better version of yourself. I feel like every, every day where, and, and never stop growing in a sense because for you to put in your inspiration your vision into a DD podcast you have to be confident about it in a certain way it's not in unless you're really a dmn where you're really putting like working really by yourself a lot of time a lot of most of the time you're working and bouncing off of your peers or those around you and so be you know the best version of yourself to bring out you know, those visions, those inspirations that you see around you on the day to day. But again, it, the power of who you are as a player and the power of your character can only come from who you are. And so that means taking care of yourself, staying hydrated and <laughs> uh, and also, um, yeah, just self-care, I think, a lot. We love you, Emmelyn. She's the one who always tells us to stay hydrated and it helps. It's true. I do yeah. because of that. And Adam. Okay. Well, have we? Have you heard that we wrote a musical? Uh, yeah. So basically, <laughs> right when COVID happened, um, I was actually fortunate enough to be colossally busy with uh, a lot of the editing for the music of our musical that just came out. And so it was nice. It was really, really nice to be able to have something to throw myself into that had uh, the beauty of a deadline because we did have a deadline. We wanted to get it out in the summer because it was a summer theme. And so that little bit of pressure helped, you know, keep me focused and was able to give me um, some people just need a deadline in order to feel motivated to get something done. Um, 
so that was how that helped me in in basically the rest of the the season but for me it was it was never a, a struggle of having to how do i find inspiration to be my character for this in the midst of all this craziness cuz for me this campaign has always been an escape from the craziness uh, because I got to be Norman or I got to be Peterson for a few hours. And I don't know, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I so eagerly look forward to those moments because I learn more about those characters, but I also learn more about myself and how they're manifested in those characters and having to gauge, okay, what part is Adam doing and what t- part do I have to pull Adam back and just the beauty of having to respond to someone else. Um, you know, people so many times say, oh, I'm not a creative person. But we know that everyone can be creative because you tell someone, okay, you're walking through a forest and you hear the snap of a twig. What do you do? And instantly, everyone already knows what they're going to do. They say, I run or I look back or I go investigate. And it's just proof that we can all be creative if we have someone to bounce off. And so my advice, if anyone's asking on how to cope with this time, honestly, would be to play D&D, to, <laughs> to find a group online, or and it doesn't <laughs> have to be D&D, any kind of role-playing game, because it simultaneously gives you an escape like a television show, but it also gives you community. And I got to say, that's probably the most unexpected treasure that I found with just this podcast in general and Dungeons and & Dragons and role-playing games is that it gives you both. It gives you a sense of escape and community at the same time and self-discovery, so all three, because you learn more about yourself too. So if you're struggling and you just listen to a pod, a D&D game, find one or play one, even if it's just one-shots, because for me, that's what helped me personally because it gave me an escape already. Uh, and that's that's my answer, guys. Beautiful. Loved it. That was beautiful from everybody. And now I feel like mine was the worst. No, yours is the Damn best. <laughs> yours is the launch pad. I, I mean, I mean, uh, wait, let me read you. Uh, <laughs> editor man, cut in here and, and uh, get a ghostwriter. Pay. Pay for the money, idea. Money. Just throw money at it. <laughs> um, and, and love yourself. Our, our, our super very last question that comes from Emmeline. Did you know the show has a wiki? Uh, she she requested that we uh, share that with you guys that one thing that we were surprised with uh, earlier this year from our patrons was they've started building a wiki for the show. So if you guys, uh, you know, you're bored, you got a few minutes, uh, go and check that out. Uh, the amazing work that they're doing there. They're always adding to it um, and contributing their time in that way. And we are so forever grateful to our patrons who have supported us, uh, not only financially, but with their time as well. Uh, with that amazing gift of doing that. We love spending time with you guys. We've done some game nights and different things. So I just wanted to really, you know, just kind of give you guys a chance to brag about you guys for that that amazing stuff that you how guys do, are doing there. How do you find the, the wiki online? So you can find the wiki. It's a it's a fandom wiki, uh, but it's the uh let me hold on, let me get the exact URL for you. Oh my gosh. Right. While he's finding that, though, seriously, thank you to all the listeners and everybody can, you know, like collaborate on the wiki and everything. But just to have a wiki really is insane uh, to have people who care enough to actually like summarize and, and write about and like, you know, update all this information of our podcast yeah. uh, into a general space for everybody to check out and listen. And hopefully it's a good resource for even new listeners who don't want to, you know, slog through all the episodes to catch up. I was going to say it's a great resource because if if you're listening to this Q&A and your question wasn't answered there's a good chance it's on the wiki 
you know, what you're wondering about, well, where did Zippy come from or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Or maybe add it in the um, future to cheaperdungeon.fandom.com. There we go. Go check it out. And and last thing, like, thank you to everybody for listening and rating and reviewing us. And keep doing that, please. Uh, but also thank <laughs> you to our legend here patrons, Randy and Camden. You guys are uh, insane. And we love you very much. And we love all our patrons very much. And we love all our listeners very much. And just a lot of love. And, you know, two years, guys, Woo! is a wildly long time to, you know, mm-hmm. stick with a project like this. Uh, and here's to here's to two more and hopefully greater things in the future. Woo! Everybody, hands in. Oh, my hand is in. Hands hand in, is in. My my hands in. All right, three, two, and oh yeah, thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three, two, one. Teammate. teammate. See you in season three. Oh, spooky. <laughs>